0: another installment of behind the fourth wall the podcast where we review and discuss movies tv shows video games and anything else pop culture today we'll be discussing our thoughts on the first half of the obi-wan kenobi limited series on disney plus my name is ivan and joining me today is once again our esteemed uh, behind the fourth wall veteran guest and a highly reviewed doctor dr ben (laughs)
1: Uh, great great to be back and again don't check those reviews i feel like i'm giving less uh less useful information every time i'm here
0: <laughs> you know i've never asked because ever I, I know Emmett introduced you as dr ben but i'm like what exactly do you practice
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's just best if you don't ask that question it's like okay. i'm i'm a physical therapist so it's not it's like a i have a doctorate degree but it's not like a doctorate of medicine and Emmett just loves to be like just throw out the doctor as like kind of his own satire, I think. Listen, <laughs> doctor is a doctor, decisions.
0: man. I, I would if I had a doctor's degree, I'd be like putting my name on everything with the <laughs> with the doctor title behind it. So no hate here. i just I was just curious because i was like, what exactly is it? Well, but once again, Emmett's not here uh, to join us. He's off on a quest. Um, I don't know what it is this time because I, I, I know he's out there somewhere, you know, discovering himself or something. But I, he's he, he, is, he is eventually going to listen to this. So hello, Emmett. I hope it's going well. Practice the Stranger Dranger rules, I guess. or <laughs> Whatever useful tips I guess I can give. I feel like I've already texted to him. So
1: Yeah, all berries on the side of the road are not edible. You know, don't eat those.
0: Or maybe they are edible you're never sure yeah
1: maybe she's will
0: <laughs> i learned that lesson the hard way 12 years ago so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's lead with that story
0: now. yeah right <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's get into the news there's not all that much to kind of talk about right
1: <laughs> i mean there's there's i mean if you if you looked at the internet and the like commercials there's one big thing that apparently was one of the greatest movies ever made as the as the commercials would say but other than that, there's not too much going on, really.
0: So I think the guy from like I think this is like a TV Guide review or something like that, or a writer that wrote for TV Guide was. I saw this on Facebook, so I, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But apparently, <laughs> they're always some, right. Some guy out there who wrote that this movie um, was like the second coming of Christ in a new <laughs> age. <laughs> And I said, well, you know what? I'll give it a shot. So I, I did end up watching it this weekend, uh, just out of curiosity. This is the second week it's been released, though, right?
1: Yeah, I think this is the second week it was out. And did you have a uh, biblical experience watching, uh, watching Top Gun 2 Maverick, of course, is what we're talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had an experience, for sure. <laughs> um, I saw this back-to-back. I told you and Emmett this on, on their text chat um offline, but um, <laughs> I had the audacity to go watch Morbius and uh, Top Gun back to back because I thought, you know, why not? And um, just really
1: get both extremes.
0: Right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, you set but... your baselines for movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, on, honestly, like it's it's um I, I thought it was good. I thought I I thought uh Top Gun 2... I think we talked about it last episode, but um, I wasn't all that connected to Top Gun 1. For a long time, I thought Pearl Harbor was Top Gun. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, but Top Gun 2 did kind of blow me away. It was shot really beautifully. Um, Surprisingly a good story. And and honestly, like, it felt like a really, really good um, above-average popcorn flick, I guess, at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I think... So, I was talking to my fiancé about this, who like loves the first Top Gun. So naturally we had to go to the second one. And I was, I was lukewarm about going at all. And then the reviews did sway me more to be like, I guess you could say above like average level of excitement. But I I was talking to her afterward when we were on our way home and I was like, I feel like this was like, you know, at least personally it was on like a Godzilla versus Kong type movie experience where it's like, super fun in the theater the story like when you really pick at it you're kind of like okay none of this really makes sense but it's like kind of fun um and like generally I just enjoyed it like the action was I mean incredible the sound is incredible like it's definitely a it's definitely like an IMAX seat in the theaters type movie and then really you can kind of just turn your brain off And, of course, when I compare it to Godzilla vs. Kong, that's one of my apparently all-time favorite (laughs) movies. So, maybe it's not that good, but...
0: (laughs) It's not Academy Award winning, just like Millie Bobby Brown's performance in in Godzilla 3. No, of
1: course, you know, and Kyle Chandler's best-supporting one-line actor role.
0: Oh my gosh, that was (laughs)
1: beautiful. I mean, brought me to tears, of course, but...
0: (laughs) No, but I, I was at I was like honestly surprised. Um I, I went in there with no expectations, obviously. But like I, I for those dogfight scenes, um, and pretty much a lot a lot of that a lot of those sequences, I kept like going back to the Star Wars trench run from a new hope. Like it's yes. it just like I had these parallels yes. in my brain. Um, yeah. and I think that's what kind of brought me over the line to being like, this is actually a really, really good movie instead of just like like a good <laughs> movie. Yeah,
1: I think the 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 moment I think I realized that I was, like, enjoying the movie way more than I thought I was going to is, like, I still had, like, my cheese wall or, like, my cheese barrier up for most of the beginning of the movie because you have, like, the classic, like, you know, thinly stitched together, like, love storyline, and you have, like, the big action set piece to start where he's, you know... Going Mach ten in the plane that he destroys, um, but like when I really started to enjoy the movie was when like I feel like I should have known it was coming, but Maverick does the trench run tr- tr- in like two fifteen or two minutes and fifteen seconds, and like as simple as that like scene is, like I was so dialed in with like you know the action and like the the plane and like Tom Cruise is like you know famous like reactions and action scenes is just i mean that part i was like i was pretty juiced about which i thought that like that at that moment i was like okay this movie is just
0: super fun it was like the ultimate feel-good movie especially like that that's something where i feel like this is the appropriate movie to be releasing right at the tail end of all this stuff that's been going on over the last two years um because it did have this, like, triumphant feeling at the end, so... And it's rare that you get that from, um, from movies uh, outside of the ones that are, like, in the main, like, I guess, pop culture zeitgeist, um, for lack of a better term. I'm pretty sure I did not use any of those words correctly there, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to give them to you, pretend yeah. <laughs> I know what they mean. <laughs> so let's talk about the movie's problem though. F fourteen unguarded at the end, so Rooster and Maverick can just. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Who cares? laughs> the
0: inconsistencies.
1: <laughs> I mean, we got we got people going everywhere, and then yet nobody's covering that, and it's a full plane of jet fuel. You know, fully stocked with fuel.
0: I don't know. Just can't get into it. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little far fetched. You know what I couldn't really get into though. Miles Teller. Oh, where's this guy been had the, he just kind of disappeared he wasn't everything for a while and then like now he re-emerges here
1: yeah did you feel like there was a moment in like the mid 2010s where miles teller looked like he was gonna be the next guy right like you had yeah you had like some, some early career performances like him in di- the divergent series where like people were like kind of enamored with him even though that series was floundering and then you had like his role in whiplash i think is like you know pretty big as far as like academy awards standing go but then he's got like some some real does like fantastic four comes to mind uh,
0: I, th- I think he tried to stretch himself too thin because it, it does seem like in the 2010s or so he he really was like being yeah, peppered everywhere
1: yeah there was like that War Dogs movie too, I think, with Jonah Hill. Like he had some real like interesting movies where you're kind of like, okay, this guy,
0: you know. Well, War Dogs, I thought was really good too. Like, yeah. He they, he they had a like the potential for him was like shining bright there, but yeah, like it just I don't know. I mean, I hope he makes better choices with, <laughs> with movies after after <laughs> this. Yeah. Do you think like so this
1: movie was what shot and like filmed what like two maybe four years ago now, like well before the pandemic. Right. So like
0: maybe, maybe four. Yeah.
1: Maybe was it like this was part of like his maybe what should have been part of the prime of like the Miles Teller ascent. And instead it kind of got mothballed by COVID and stuff. Uh, Maybe it's just a theory, but
0: I think this was phase three of Miles Teller and like, we all (laughs) missed it because of COVID, you know, like, yeah. This would have been yeah, like the rechristening of Miles Teller at the top.
1: Yeah, like the Thor Ragnarok of Miles
0: Teller. Yeah, this is Miles Teller forging <laughs> Stormbreaker. That's what this movie was.
1: <laughs> but even then, like he really doesn't have a whole lot to do in this movie. Besides, I mean, he does—he does play a convincing Goose's son. But, yeah. I mean, Is it Yeah, we're we're kind of just getting in the weeds here, but I, I don't know, Miles Teller in general, like. Odd, kind of an odd career arc so far and I don't know where he goes from here
0: I can tell you where he's not going <laughs> a sequel to Morbius because it's not <laughs> happening
1: <laughs> I don't know they brought it back to theaters so anything's possible <laughs>
0: <laughs> to segue into <laughs>
1: <laughs> please regale us with your Morbius thoughts I'm so excited to hear about this movie I haven't seen <laughs>
0: Well, um, I think as I've talked a lot of times on, on the show, but like I have this AMC Stubbs Pass thing where like you'll pay I don't know how much I'm paying to be honest with you. It's probably more than it's worth, but they should be I, paying
1: you to see this one.
0: They really should. <laughs> Honestly, they they I felt so robbed, oh, even though I didn't even buy anything at concession stand. Um Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> very bold choice for Morbius. <laughs>
0: i i I thought i'd give it a go because i didn't see it the first time it came out in um in theaters like appropriately i i I heard some things uh and i kind of stayed away from it no (laughs) no but like they brought it back for essentially like uh people were like bombarding um social media with like morbius memes for so long and i guess announcing it jared leto came out and um participated in the meme effectively killing the meme Ah, uh, for some reason, and uh, they decided to re-release Morbius in a thousand theaters across the country, um, which you know what I always knock Sony's marketing decisions on this show. Like I always, I, I like always talk to Emmett. I'm like, I know, I know from experience, <laughs> 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 who's over at Sony Pictures, and like it's it just like it just it, it wouldn't surprise you, you know. It's kind of like the unveiling of like the the scene from the wizard of oz where you find out that the wizard is nothing but like a sham (laughs) um except you know the wizard's a sham in this one but (laughs) sony makes mistakes sony has made so many mistakes that I, i just don't understand how their answer to the marvel universe and mind you when they try to take tom holland away from the mcu a couple years ago when they played that whole little bit yeah, this is the movie that they announced, and they're like, well, we're making Morbius with Jared Leto, and I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> I, we were all asking for it. Thank you so much for delivering.
0: <laughs> the movie was bad. I don't remember too much of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> for, for reasons better left than said, but I think uh, the, the, I, I do remember Matt Smith uh, dancing shirtless at one point in the middle of the movie. Um, I do remember uh, the terrible end credit scene um <laughs> wait
1: so was there like a link to the like MCU in the end credit scene that you remember oh
0: wait so you yes yeah let me let me let me detail this real quick because i feel like i feel like it's intriguing to quote esteemed dr michael morbius
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um the end credit scene there's two uh, the first one is a big flashing light inside of a prison and it's revealed that um, I'm Michael Keaton's uh, vulture character has oh. somehow made it over to the Morbius universe. Poor him. Um, he gets oh. released because he technically has done no wrong in this universe, so they let him out. Um, Naturally. But, yeah, that's end credit scene one. End credit scene two is the vulture approaching and crashing into Morbius's car as he's, like, driving his his top down. I don't know, the the little convertible car he's riding around in. And he proposes that he has no idea how he ended up in this universe, but Spider-Man's got something to do with it, and they should team up together. And Jared Leto's response is intriguing, and then it cuts to black, which basically, much to, like, the same vibe as the rest of the movie, you can kind of tell that they kind of stitched this together wherever possible, they have, like, two scenes that have nothing to do with one another and try to stitch it to, to make something. <laughs> that's what this end credits scene felt like, and that's what, like, half of the movie seemed to feel like.
1: Well, you have me sold. <laughs> now I, I, I can't wait to see what the Vulture and Morbius do in their upcoming adventures <laughs> in the Sony <laughs> the Sony universe of fun. I mean, you know, hopefully... Maybe they can battle Venom.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's they kind of committed to this now because they have um madam madam what's her name coming out madam webb uh they have uh oh yeah that's right aaron taylor johnson's craven the hunter movie um yeah and then they have bad bunny starring in some sort of like one-off villain from spider-man's comics some like luchador guy i forgot his name so
1: yeah i don't know just why? like what what are what are we doing here? I mean, and you you'd think, like, I don't know, maybe maybe this is enough of a flop to like put some of the other things on hold, but the fact that, like they managed to get the MCU's vulture like <laughs> t- tangled up in the Morbius web is uh intentional plan words there is, um, like kind of a crazy thing to think about. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just so, so interesting that like, so the movie got pushed for years, right? You kept delaying it, delaying it, delaying it. You finally drop it. It is a disaster before anyone sees it. It goes away like unceremoniously. And then you bring it back because memes, which is, you know, one of the better, like, Honestly, probably what this movie is most going to be remembered for. Yeah. And now you have, like, these big actors attached to, you know, what I would imagine is a lot of money-backed projects for a, like, whole universe that nobody wants to see. Like, what a a strange decision. And it makes me worried for, like, the Tom Holland Spider-Man future, if there is one.
0: Well, I mean, like the Tom Holland stuff is controlled by Disney um, because of that agreement. But I, I, I don't know. Like, um, it feels like well, is so ultimately the owners of Spider-Man because of the whole. Yeah,
1: can they take him back? You know, I, this is this is scary. They took the vote. <laughs> Who else can they take?
0: <laughs> well, I feel like I don't know. I don't know what their agreement is like now. But I, I, I've heard rumors that like there's certain things that they can and can't do. Like Tom Holland Spider-Man, they need to get approval on to to feature him okay um but i think the villains are fair game i I just don't know like i know during the andrew garfield stuff they were gonna do like a sinister six movie and all that but to be honest with you i mean like if you are gonna do any villain movie especially for spider-man without the hero it doesn't make any sense
1: yeah a lot of this doesn't seem like it it seems like it's a fun idea on paper to be like let's make all these movies about villains but like the the crux of that is like you have to then make them rootable characters if they're carrying their own movie. So then if you make all these movies about villains, they can't just be about how evil they are. Right. So then like when you eventually want to flip them and have a hero fight them, now you have this weird dichotomy or this weird contradiction where you're like, we, we tried to, if you do it well, you built on investment in these guys, and now you want them all to lose to yeah. this person that you're throwing in later. like it it just never made any sense. And it seems like hopefully this is the beginning of the end of this
0: <laughs> I hope so. I mean, it's not too late to kind of cancel the rest of it, to be honest with you. and they and they should. but like I, I, the other thing too is like I think based on the original agreement they made with uh, with Marvel before they got bought out by Disney, I think, Sony loses the rights to Spider-Man as a character if they don't make a movie every three years. And Oof. so, I feel like that's also playing into this stress, right? Because, like, the stuff they're doing with Disney, technically Disney's producing the movie, not Sony. okay. I gotcha. But, but there's so many other ways they could be handling this. Like, the Into the Spider-Verse stuff, like, I would just focus on oh. that. Yeah, I mean, that was
1: phenomenal. and. I mean, the sequel looks like it should be fun and interesting if it's anything like the original. But it's like, I I guess we just have to buckle in and get ready for (laughs) whatever (laughs) whatever the future of (laughs) Morbius 2. Come on. (laughs) Can we make less money?
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I can't wait for Morbius to show up in the MCU. Watch it. just despite jared leto it'll be played by somebody else similar to what they did with him in, in in joker
1: i don't know we i feel like you know we probably have spent more time than that movie deserves talking about morbius yeah
0: <laughs> let's, let's move on to the potentially good things coming out of the, mm-hmm. the marvel uh, side of things but uh, we had a new thor trailer come out since the last time we recorded and besides yeah. overplaying the guns and roses song um <laughs> We did get a very good look at Christian Bale's character, uh, Gore the God Butcher. So th- th- I got to admit, I, the, we saw very little of it. It's kind of basic and plain, the costume, but it works for me, at least.
1: Yeah, I think like, I mean, y- you don't want to overhype this movie, right? Because I feel like anytime time that you set these huge expectations, it's just so hard to fulfill. But this is such a strong... Like, this movie has everything going for it between, like, Thor riding the hot streak of Ragnarok and, like, his Infinity War endgame arc that everybody seemed pretty on board with, even if you have quips with, like, the, um, like, depressed Thor, you know, endgame. But then you have, like, Taika Waititi back, who killed it in Thor Ragnarok. And then you have, you know, Tessa Thompson, who is a great Valkyrie character. You bring on Christian Bale, who really is phenomenal in every movie he is he has been in. Really, um, it, it seems like a, a can't lose based on the trailer. And again, much like Morbius, nice connection here. Spawned a bunch of memes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the Christian Bale memes with, with Gore, the God Butcher, where they're like, I. <laughs> the, the,
1: the crying face is just an incredible <laughs> captured moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then the the scene that gets uh memed a lot is that his uh what is it american psycho the title of the movie i was forgetting that, <laughs> yes with the business cards <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that uh that is a he's he's also one for the memes which is yeah i think it's because of his transformations but yeah i'm i mean well what did you know what do you, what are your expectations in this movie do you think it's going to be a, a a top tenner for marvel do you think it's going to be middling
0: I hope it's a top tenner um some of the and and i've seen some like interviews with taika waititi recently where he's talking about like the jane foster story for the female thor um they are he is keeping the cancer storyline from the comics that's heavy stuff but this is also taika waititi who gave us like jojo rabbit which if anyone hasn't seen that movie he handles it so well like the heavy themes with with a bit of comedy so
1: that movie is incredible
0: yeah, he he can deliver for sure, and so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I hope it is a top tenor. Uh, Christian Bale, I, if there's anybody that they've, I don't think we've had an actor of that caliber play an MCU villain role before. I yeah, might it, be I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Like,
1: I'm yeah, I'm trying, trying to think. I mean, there's been some. I mean, we talked about the Vulture already. Michael Keaton's got some cachet, maybe not. I, I, maybe I mean he's a little older is he older than Christian Bale I don't know maybe yeah. Christian Bale just seems younger to me no but he is older he is okay he is older I mean Kate Blanchett was a pretty big actress right for the last movie but maybe not like Christian Bale level yeah I don't I don't know I mean they've had some good heavy hitters I mean he's just he's been in so many good movies and he's always been a key cog in all those movies that you know, you you can't help but think that. I mean, it would it would be one of the bigger surprises if this movie was was kind of a
0: letdown. Yeah, this is besides um besides No Way Home. This was my other movie that I was really looking forward to from this phase. So I'm excited. Now, I'm also looking for looking forward to uh, Black Panther too. But I think that after Chadwick Boseman's passing, it's become more of like a I. I really hope they can kind of rally around that together, but this movie doesn't have a lot of like things going against it. So I feel like Thor seems like a safe bet to be one of those big blockbuster success stories for, for Marvel.
1: Yeah, I think, and and like talking to your point about like attacking big themes, it kind of does seem like they're setting us up for some, obviously the comedy element that's probably going to come part way into this, but it seems like they're trying to set up a situation where, you know, Thor essentially is this all powerful being without a place in the, in the universe, which is kind of like an odd, you know, introspective thought to make a movie off of. And I, I'm unfamiliar with the Jane Foster cancer storyline. Um, that is certainly intriguing as like a piece of it. And I mean, I don't know much about Gore, the God killer other than that. He's apparently a god killer, which that sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like, like talking about emotional weight, I could see this having some decent weight to it, much in the way like you mentioned Jojo Rabbit. That was my last time crying in a theater was the uh, the shoe scene in Jojo Rabbit, and that's you know, I think just a a hat tip to how well Taika Waititi plays like you know of a a vast expanse of emotion so i I don't know yeah we'll see i'm probably overhyping this movie but i think you know it's gonna be tough for it to deliver but if if you took like ingredients and you threw them in a pot this has everything you'd you'd want
0: yeah it has everything going for it you know interesting enough the last movie i cried (laughs) in was you know because of how bad it was (laughs)
1: yeah i need to see actually little tiny one more thing on morbius i have to ask you we (laughs) we had this text offline where (laughs) there was a a question posed of what was worse morbius or green lantern and you were quick to say morbius what what do you is it easy like still no thought
0: a hundred percent, without a doubt, it was Morbius. Because I'll I'll tell you one thing. With Green Lantern, it looks like at least you have a cohesive movie that tried to tell a story. The story wasn't all that good. <laughs> the acting wasn't all that great, right? You know what Morbius is, man? Like, as somebody who's edited multiple, like, commercials and, like, you know, narrative stuff, like, Morbius feels like somebody shot a movie that at the end stage, they're like, you know what, scrap it, we're going to make it something else. And so they <laughs> edited it into three different things, And then they kept changing things. So there's there's scenes where you can clearly see that one actor is not even supposed to be in that scene, but they just cut him into it. And so it feels awkward and like weird. (laughs) I mean, you know, is
1: this is this the uh, the superhero genre's the room?
0: Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) I was just about to say that. Yeah. If you've ever actually seen like Tommy Wiseau's The Room, like you'll you'll this exact that it's that level but in blockbuster scale
1: okay wow so i've i've seen enough of that movie the room i've not watched it start to finish i saw what was the movie with the i think it was the franco brothers that made a couple years ago where they talked about the making of the movie disaster artist i did watch that movie but obviously that's not the room um so i just know by reputation that it's supposed to be one of the worst (laughs) movies ever made
0: it is one of the worst movies but it's it's enjoyable that one. If you watch it for the ironic sense that you're going to watch a terrible <laughs> yeah. film, I can't I can't say so. enough bad things about Morbius.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, on that lovely note, should we uh move along to Star Wars, the uh, prime focus of this episode?
0: Yes. Let's uh I just got a q- few quick quick fire things i guess to to kind of chat about real quick the star wars celebration just wrapped up last week um which for anybody not in the know on it it's it's this really big convention where uh, star wars geeks and nerds gather every couple years or so to um i don't know just watch stuff (laughs) there's like celebrities and all that lucasfilm announces all this all these things but it's um it's been on my bucket list to go one of these years um Maybe I'll drag Emmett and you to one of these (laughs) at some point. But there were a lot of projects coming out. There's just stuff, um, you know, I I think one of the things that kind of surprised me, that was the fact that we didn't have announcements for any movies that are coming out for Star Wars. There's a lot of shows. Ahsoka's in production set to release next year um, Hmm. in 2023. So just to kind of give you the full lineup, um, in case you didn't know... (laughs) (laughs) we have kenobi right now kenobi is running until the end of the month and then we have Andor premiering in august um after that we have bad batch premiering at the end of september after that we have some uh a sequel to the star wars anime show that that was uh that came out last last year also um after that we're getting mandalorian <laughs> se- season three in february of next year um after that, we're getting Ahsoka in the series in April of the of next year. Um, and then at some point, we're going to get Andor season two next year also. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Was like a lineup. Okay. There's five seasons ordered for Andor, which, um, yeah. But out of all these projects, Andor's the only one that got a publicly released trailer, and so is Bad Batch season two. I think Bad Batch season two, we can kind of, you know table for now cuz it's so far away but Andor is next on the list but you got it did you get a chance to take a look at the trailer
1: I did of all these as probably the most casual of the three people that that have appeared I'm sorry there's four people that appeared on this podcast <laughs> sorry um as the most casual of y- you and Emmett of the Star Wars fan I did I did see Andor that's the only thing I saw from this the trailer of course and oh. uh Go ahead,
0: sorry, you looking I feel like uh, so we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but um, so Rogue One is a prequel to a new hope. This looks like it's a prequel to Rogue One with Diego Luna starring on this role. we I hope to get more into in depth with this character and all that, but what is it with Star Wars and prequels? Like, I feel like we're just going back <laughs> constantly,
1: yeah, we you can never go forward in Star Wars you know we always have to see where we came from and I will say as much as that is kind of funny that it just always is a prequel I think it's it's interesting because Rogue One I thought was a pretty good Star Wars entry and Diego Luna's character was interesting but not like At least personally, I did not really know what they were trying to accomplish with his character. I mean, he seemed, it seemed like they were trying to paint him as a shades of gray good guy. But we had so little time to spend with him that we didn't get like, we didn't get what I felt was like a full evolution of his character. So it's interesting to see. I mean, apparently we're getting five seasons worth of of, of it to see. what exactly that looks like but um really five seasons wow okay yeah. i'm that's the 1st time i'm hearing of this and i am shocked <laughs>
0: yeah. well i'll say one thing the trailer looked really really like to me it came out of nowhere a eh? also it didn't really give much away other than it looks like we're going to be focusing on this like spy but political thriller angle to the mm-hmm. star wars universe which i like um, everything about this show looks great. The, the the trailer, I think, visually feels like a movie.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: Because I think we're starting, and we'll talk about the limitations on stuff when we start talking Kenobian a little bit, but I feel like the Mandalorian stuff feels a little bit small in scale because of the screen use that they're doing, like the background screen. Yeah. Um, and at least from what I've known on the show, they've shot a lot of it over in Europe. So they have shot on location. They haven't been shooting in like sound stages and all that.
1: Uh, maybe that is why it does it feels like there's a lot more happening in the trailer yeah. than like than definitely like because when you especially with mandalorian when you when you do watch it and maybe it is the like you described the the stage effect, it does feel like super insular. Like there's only a couple moving pieces each time and in this case at least to the trailer it seemed like you know it felt more like okay we are on another planet with like you know an ecosystem and a social you know hierarchy i don't know so i think it's the the politics of star wars like i feel like it's joked about a lot because of all the senate <laughs> meetings and the prequels but there is a lot of like potential to be explored there because there's just such a vast universe so i mean it looks interesting i mean do you have any but I, I truthfully i i didn't know where they were going with the trailer it just looked like they were trying to set up some intrigue of like yeah a potentially political nature
0: <laughs> we're supposed to be i think at the from the celebration panels they talked about how the show will focus on uh, cassie and andor which is diego luna's character and how he comes into being recruited by the rebellion. Hmm. Meanwhile, also telling the story of uh, Mon Mothma, who's that senator lady from the original trilogy, and now from uh, from Rogue One and Revenge of the Sith. I think it's oh. the same actress. Yeah. Okay. But she in the original trilogy, she's like the big leader of the rebellion. So it'll tell her story as to how she also becomes this like rebel leader. Um. Which I that story oddly enough kind of fascinates me a little bit more because like you're right the politics stuff is always kind of memed and all that but I think on paper the 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 idea of like a government being willing to be taken over by like or turning into an, an empire has always been fascinating it's just like we never gave it the time in the movies to 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 flesh it out so I think it could work on the series I just hope that we find like the right balance and this doesn't just become like house of cards star wars edition you know
1: yeah i think it's and and i mean it it is interesting cuz like the whole you know how does a how does a, an empire like how does an empire rise or how does like democracy give way to dictatorship is like obviously at the core of a lot of star wars and this seems to be like like you said highlighting like how do do you build recruitment on like an individual basis versus like in the original trilogy you kind of see like this already existing rebellion and like how it tries to combat the the evil empire so i mean it's it's interesting to try to like if you like look at like historical examples i mean obviously the the easy example is you know World War II Germany is kind of like where a lot of the Star Wars stuff comes from. Right. So it's, it's, I'll be interested to see like how much they lean into like political backstabbing, posturing, things like that. When you have this like overarching, like the crushing weight of dictatorship over top of it, if that's where they're going, I'll I'll be interested to see.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm just excited about it. I I think uh, from that perspective and and I also feel like, um, again, from like a film technical geek background, like the fact that this was shot, or at least made the effort to be shot like a movie, like I'm I'm excited to see just how much Disney is actually willing to put here because that might actually dictate how they do projects moving forward. Cause that, and it's also kind of bold, I guess, of them to say, you know what, we're going to green light a multitude number of seasons before the first season even premieres like you're taking a risk there you know
1: <laughs> yeah definitely I mean that's like a huge a huge swing i one thing actually i should ask you about is it's interesting that they announced all that and didn't announce another movie which does kind of illustrate i guess where they want to go i mean or I guess they didn't highlight a movie am i right in that like there is a movie in 2023 i thought i saw some reporting about like the taika waititi movie that has been like rumored or is that incorrect
0: we were supposed to get a patty jenkins directed movie so that's the director of wonder woman yeah um, she's supposed to do rogue squadron um uh, okay. which would tell the it's basically oddly enough top gun but for star wars yeah <laughs> um full circle yeah well that was the next movie it was supposed to come out in 2023 it sounds like that's not happening because of uh delays and all that it it, that movie's been a bit of a mess but uh what they did say is that the taika waititi movie will be the next movie to come out um it will start a new trilogy or a new franchise basically for star wars um And Taika Waititi has said that he's done working with Marvel for now. He's going to be focusing on that Star Wars project after Thor is done. Hmm. So I am excited for that movie. I just don't know what it is, what's going on, like none of that. Like there's no, I have no idea what direction they're taking. And there's also like a uh, Kevin Feige, the producer for Marvel, is also working on the movie for Star Wars. Man. so there's stuff it's just like it's it sounds like it's years away it's not like anytime soon kind of thing which is probably for
1: the best because you know it would be nice to kind of get some distance from the more recent three and hopefully come up with some new new non-skywalker
0: yeah yeah
1: basically
0: no more death stars please yeah (laughs)
1: But speaking of Skywalker,
0: <laughs> yes, the most highly anticipated I think Star Wars project in a long time. I, speaking for me personally, um, I really would have liked for this to be a movie. To be honest with you, like
1: <laughs> Kenobi, you're referring to, right?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Let's get know. let's get into Kenobi. Um, spoiler yeah. warning for anybody who hasn't seen it. But at this point, we're recording everything late, so like it doesn't matter <laughs> at this <laughs> point. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if you <laughs> we're three episodes or almost four episodes deep into this show, so I think we're okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because we kind of chatted briefly in a text conversation with Emmett offline. But like, what's uh, what's your take on the first three episodes so far?
1: So, good question. Like when when we had this when we had our conversation over text, this was after my first viewing of the third episode. Um, which, of course, is the most impactful, you know, if you haven't watched it and for some reason you're listening. Um, but I, like, had this this feeling of, like, man, this kind of feels a little bit rushed and I don't like a lot of the plot elements at that moment. Since then, I have been rewatched all three episodes and the first couple a couple times. And I generally like the series overall but I think I like I think my expectations were that the big confrontation that we get between spoiler Darth Vader and Kenobi in the third episode I wasn't expecting to see until the end of the series essentially so I think it just I was so thrown off by the pace of the first three episodes that a lot of it felt like not earned to me but in subsequent watches, I feel pretty good about it. What's your What's your general thoughts on the on the series?
0: This is where I think Emmett would be like. You always say this about the shows, but like honestly, I think I generally do. I'm close to loving this show. <laughs> There's a few things that are that I got to nitpick, but uh, I like the pacing for the first two episodes. The mm-hmm. third episode, I think uh, we hit a little bit of a hiccup, a little bit. Um, one thing, and I do gotta, I I, I gotta say something because I feel like I was surprised to see people's reaction to the third episode and thinking that this is the grand fight, the grand rematch for Obi Wan and and Vader. I'm like, yeah, we're in episode no, three. There's no way. No, we're clearly getting set up for like a bigger showdown. Um, now that said, I think that fight went the way. It was going to, because like in the beginning of the show, we have a Obi-Wan that's like seems to be disconnected from the force. Doesn't ha, I would argue hasn't used the force in over 10 years. Right. It sounds like it. Yeah. Um, throughout the first three episodes, he's continuously trying to talk to Qui-Gon, getting right. no response. So getting when ghosted. he. Yeah. So when he meets Darth By Vader. Ghost. Right. <laughs> appropriately. <laughs> the literal definition of ghosting quite for original. real.
1: original <laughs>
0: <laughs> but by the time we get to episode to the third episode here i was not surprised that you know vader kind of tossed him around like a rag doll and there wasn't really yeah. much of a fight to that um i have the inquisitor storyline has kind of fallen a little bit short for me um now that being said i do like the inquisitors I like the performances. I like them as a concept. Um, I just feel like there isn't a lot to kind of go off of just yet. And I'm I'm waiting for that to kind of reveal itself in the last three episodes. But, for example, Moses Ingram's uh, Reva character. Yeah. I like the fact that she's very hostile and very like aggressive. On She's very determined to get what she wants, which is apparently right. Obi-Wan. Um, I'm assuming the little scene in the beginning of episode one with the Jedi Temple being, um, being you know breached and and at Order yeah. sixty six, she's got to be one of those Padawans. I'm assuming
1: it's got to be connected because it's it was too big of a scene and too, like well, I mean to lead with that scene and then like just never return to it, it w- would seemingly be, right?
0: Yeah, I, I was thrown off that she knew that Vader was Anakin.
1: Yeah, so that's a good point cuz like when when she name dropped Anakin, like when she name dropped Stoby One in the second episode, Anakin Skywalker's alive. And it's so this has now been, you know, 10 right 10 years removed from their showdown. It like when you fast forward to like a new hope, nobody seems to know like, much about Anakin Skywalker, period, outside of like, you know, Obi Wan and a few select others, right? So, like, it threw me off that she name dropped him, which then I guess you would assume means she has to have some sort of insider line, because otherwise I would think that nobody would refer to him as Anakin, because, I mean, if they did, I would think they'd get killed, one, but two, I feel like it's the goal was to wipe that from memory.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. Those are exactly my thoughts because so it, it led it led me to think that okay, cl- she clearly has some sort of pull or some sort of relationship with Vader. Like she has some sort of you know preference, I guess, with or or yeah. favor with him because she's talking to her superior, the Grand Inquisitor. Like if he's you know another chump, <laughs> <You>
1: know? <laughs> yeah. Which we have to circle back to, but yes.
0: So she you know, she she clearly has this connection with him and it's not established. And as a viewer, I'm telling myself to be patient because I think I guess eventually we'll find out. Right. Um, but the 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 places where that storyline is kind of falling short a little bit is the fact that I feel like they haven't done enough to really establish Reba as a as like what exactly she's going after. And I feel that by saving it by two for the last three episodes, if it's not a good enough reason, it just feels like the first half was so odd with her
1: in it. I I agree. They have a lot to like. They're they're trying to thread some pretty narrow needles now in three episodes left. With you know, I mean, yeah. Not to derail you there, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be hard with her like with her character some of the big stakes between obi-wan and darth vader the, the leia subplot i think there's some big there's some big things to i mean I, I guess i should refocus but basically like in general i like i like the show I'm, i don't think i'm as high on it as you might be i'm probably in the it's like a a B minus character category for me where I am enjoying it. I'm looking forward to the episodes, but I think there's some big questions. I think a good way to think about it would be like, like character by character and then talking about scenes. Like what, like, I guess first, like, what do you think of Obi-Wan's character? Like you mentioned, like how we find him in this like forceless
0: state. Do you like how they kind of reintroduced us to or- yeah. Obi-Wan? Yeah, because it makes sense. I mean, the guy just lost pretty much everything he's ever known. Um, he failed. He feels yeah. like a failure. And he thinks he's killed his best friend, basically, for 10 years. Yeah. So yeah. then he's watching over his kid who is growing up to look similar to him. And so it's he's you know it's got to be tortured to just be like, you know, your failure is staring you right in your face the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think that's the strongest part of the show so far is like where we get brought into Obi-Wan how like kind of broken he is as like both a person a jedi any of the above like he's not he really isn't a jedi anymore he's convinced himself that he's nothing and i never really thought about it but like going into this show i had assumed that obi-wan would have thought that anakin was alive still for some reason i think just because i took the like casual viewer's perspective of oh well people know he's alive still like he didn't kill him kill him he just like but then like when you get the second episode revealed to him that oh he is still alive and Reva like name drops Anakin you're like oh I was like oh wait yeah that would make sense he probably thinks this whole time as he's been so sorrowful in the first two episodes that like yeah he should be he did kill his best friend he failed everything he failed the Force.
0: <laughs> yeah. And now he feels like a double failure for not confirming that kill. You know? like <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was right there for you, man. Just wait a little you know, longer.
0: <laughs> for real. You, you you let Palpatine come in and just, like, reboot him real quick? Like, you, no.
1: You probably could have sniped him. <laughs> <But> <laughs> dude, just wait for him to come collect his man, and you're just hiding on the high ground again.
0: <laughs> I, I do like it, because the other thing, too, is, like, um I think Emmett and I have talked about this before a while ago, but I think the... I, I always liked Alec Guinness's performance as Obi-Wan in The New Hope. And, you know, after watching the prequels and all that, obviously the fight between him and Vader in that movie is a bit <laughs> underwhelming, right?
1: No, it's basically the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, it's it, you know, to, to think back in, the, in those times, like, obviously there were technological, you know, issues. And, like, someone in Vader's costume versus an old man, obviously it wasn't going to look, you know, no matter how you choreograph it back then, it was gonna just, have its issues.
1: He just finally mastered the poke maneuver, right? That eluded him for the for the prequels.
0: <laughs> but in watching that original movie, I noticed that, um, and somebody had, somebody had commented. One of my friends had commented that, like, he thinks Obi Wan threw the fight in in the Death Star. And yeah. it's kind of true because, like, you do see that he he's not really looking to fight Vader. He's looking to distract him so that he doesn't find Luke. Right. And Definitely. once he sees that Luke is getting away, he, like, safely lets go and says, you know what, I'm done. I'm done fighting. He doesn't even try to block any more shots from Vader. Right. Um, so I want to see in this show how we go from the broken Obi-Wan to, like, the Jedi Master that we do see in the New Hope. Like, the guy that is fully prepared to, like, protect Luke, who he thinks is the chosen, the chosen one, I guess, at this point. Yeah, or I don't know if we're even touching that prophecy stuff because, like, that's like it's kind of briefly mentioned and then like kind of toyed with, and then it gets brought up out of convenience every now and again. Yeah,
1: it definitely is like a a when you need it type, uh, like basically coffee in the yeah. storyline. But I think like that's a good point. Is I think I hope that is where this is going, and you'd have to imagine that we're gonna get it, what it's gonna take, I guess, to get us there is Liam Neeson. Correct? Like. I hope. Do so. you feel that? Do you feel that coming? Because I mean, you can't keep name dropping them and having the ghosted, and then yeah. to have Obi Wan showing against Darth Vader be so a- appropriately, you know, pitiful.
0: Yeah. Well, you're essentially like calling out Liam Neeson here, right? Because within the plot of the show, you have a young girl getting taken. <laughs> yeah, <so.
1: laughs> I didn't even put it together, but
0: yes. So he better show up at the end of the show. <laughs>
1: he has a very particular
0: set of skills yes exactly (laughs) that why do you think obi-wan keeps calling him he's like master help me here
1: (laughs) i've seen what is there four takens there's at least three i've seen all three of them i know you can do a fourth
0: (laughs) there's a fourth one it's called taken again (laughs) i think there is a fourth one yeah it's not with liam neeson anymore though they i don't think you could pay him to come back anymore
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i i generally like where characters but that the taken point leads us to like another great character question is what do you think of of leia's role in this were you surprised that she's in it and like do you do you like what they're doing with her plot line
0: i so okay so when when little (laughs) leia was introduced (laughs) (laughs) when leia was introduced on this show um i was surprised that she showed up to be honest with you because
1: too very surprised
0: i was under the impression that we were going with she never knew obi-wan before and you hope now that being said there's so many other ways you can spin that conversation right Um, right i I, i've enjoyed her i think the one the one awkward scene in it it was the one she's trying to get away from her would-be captors and yeah that was a you know that was a little bit much because the pacing was just not you know timed well
1: yeah, when you see her running in like two miles an hour, and they're like like running full speed, and you're like, I feel like you know something, something is this like a Doctor Strange moment where they're like moving the <laughs> like stretching the screen?
0: Essentially, yeah, that's what it felt like. But I, I think the actress herself was really well casted. I think she's doing a great job on it. I agree you know i think they kind of toe the line a little bit on the precociousness a little bit but at the same time it's it fits leia because that's that's her you know that that is the character's whole personality uh especially if you look back at a new hope empire strikes back that's literally all she does is like these like backhanded remarks and (laughs) she's incredibly resourceful and so obviously it comes from somewhere so i'm glad to kind of see that consistency there um yeah, I I've, I've I've had like zero problems with with the with Leia. Um the only thing is like I do I do hope that we don't get we don't get them too bonded together because then I call to question the new hope um story a little bit, you know.
1: That's that's my one like concern with it is I think some I agree sometimes it feels a little over the top with her I guess the precociousness of her character, I think is the word you used. I think that's at times it can come across as like, I don't know. Like she seems a little young to be that quippy, but like, I also do think it's fitting. And I think you're just trying to illustrate how, you know, exceptional of a person she is in this universe. Um, My two concerns, I should say are one. I mean, we're really going back to the Skywalker well in more ways than one with her heavy inclusion but two i agree like from a continuity perspective like it 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 really does call into question where we pick up with them in a new hope and i'm hoping that like where i'm hoping by this like fourth episode we kind of wrap up maybe her storyline in this and then we can kind of move along to some of the bigger themes like you know the part that um reva plays in this the inquisitors um obviously darth vader canob or obi-wan trying to like rediscover himself so i'm i'm kind of good with where we are i've been i've enjoyed her her character and i think it's really given obi-wan some room to like reconnect with humanity or his reasons for why he does why he's doing what he's doing um like in the subsequent movies, but I, I'm I'm kind of hoping we're coming to a conclusion with her.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of I'm role. a little torn on the, on her role there because I feel like I, I I feel like she is in it for the long haul for this show. Yeah. Um but I, that, I would. Yeah, that's probably what where where it's going. But I I, I like I don't have too much of a problem because I feel like there's several. Instances that you can use to to kind of explain away why she doesn't seem to know him in in a New Hope, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think the the other thing too is like when when the show started I kind of expected that role to be played by like a young Luke only because in the New Hope you do it does get established that he knows who Ben is and he he, yeah. he even refers to him as some sort of wizard so <laughs> yeah like
1: definitively like, they have a relationship of some kind
0: yeah which i do hope we get before this at the end of the show cuz i don't know if you picked up on this but in episode 1 he's that little like skyhopper toy he's trying to give to mm-hmm. to him is the same one that he's playing with in the new hope so oh i
1: did not pick up on that okay i
0: like i i want to see some interaction between uh obi-wan and young luke um but yeah w- with leia i feel like she's a good counterweight to him cuz but uh, yeah, like the precociousness, I feel like is kind of skewing a line. Then again, and I say this as both, uh <laughs> you know, a, a, a lot an of internal un- conflict here. <laughs> <laughs> I say this as an uncle and as somebody who has like, because of like my the my film background. A couple years ago, I I did this like um this course thing where I, I basically was teaching to this like group of middle schoolers like the filmmaking, the history of filmmaking, right, um. And so, having experienced that, I can tell you off the bat, (laughs) a 10-year-old is a lot more insightful than I remember from my (laughs) own. Either that, or I was a really dumb 10-year-old, and I just, you know...
1: I might have been right there with you, because that was my first thought, and I don't think I would have been this, you know, (laughs) (laughs) quick-handed, but, you know, perhaps that's a me problem. I need to start looking inward at these things. (laughs)
0: Like, I, I do think that it's right on par, but, like, it's also, like, sometimes... You kind of, the you know, the farther away you get from that age range, the more like perspective you lose on it. Again, I think just striking a very delicate balance right now, and I hope to keep that up. If she's, if she's going to be in it for the long haul here. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, it could potentially be an issue for me. Uh, not Leia as a whole, but like her inclusion in the show because what it means for a New Hope. At the same time, I'm also kind of like, I'm a fan of continuity until it gets in the way of a good story. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. at some point, I also gotta be like, I'm not gonna be too much of a stickler for that kind of thing. Um, unless... <laughs> and here's where I could transition this into, like, my big point for this show, because... <laughs> um,
1: Let's hear it.
0: <laughs> I, I do gotta call out continuity issues where it's very blatant.
1: <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this one.
0: <laughs> Reva clearly kills the, the Grand Inquisitor <laughs> in episode two.
1: I mean, it would be hard to survive that one from
0: everything we know. I've seen so many people trying to explain it away. They're like, oh, well, her species of aliens has two stomachs. And I was like, sir, as somebody who used to put the Star Wars encyclopedia a read every single time I'd go to lunch, okay, I can tell you even I didn't know that. And if you know that, there's something wrong, okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean you you would certainly have to be down the rabbit hole to be able to explain yeah so that was one of my one of my biggest gripes with the first um couple episodes is that you bring in Rupert Friend who's not a not a a nobody to play is it the Grand Inquisitor yeah. inquisitor right that's then he's got what I was intrigued by like what he was I was kind of like not having much background with like the inquisitors in general, I've not like seen rebels all the way through, which is, I think where they get featured more. So yeah. Um, I was pretty interested to see like, okay, I, I want to see what this Jedi hunter, you know, set up is. And essentially like <laughs> he, he's seemingly in, in like authoritative figure some almost like analogous to like moff gideon for me where i was like okay like this is going to be a guy with some intrigue behind him uh even though like you knew that darth vader was going to be in the series like you were like okay this guy's maybe like kind of a crucial character and then reva's kind of like the prove it type and then they just <laughs> very clearly stab him and unless we're gonna get like another resurrection like we got with um boba fennec Fennec, whoever else gets like a rebuilt stomach and comes back i guess that's what's gonna happen i don't know you you know better than i do
0: well yeah because rebels takes place five years after this and he's the main (laughs) villain for season one so i'm like either he has a twin brother somewhere (laughs) or they just broke continuity i i don't know it's 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 bothering me mainly because of that because i was like you can't just pick and choose what you're going to obey continuity on because a lot of the mando stuff is based off of the dave filoni clone wars and rebel stuff so we can't just be like well we'll pick and choose when we <laughs> when we take from it
1: especially when you're using like heavy like you you're using two of the well really four of the stalwart characters in the entire star wars franchise here like you have darth vader slash anakin luke and leia and obi-wan kenobi like if you start playing with continuity there then like it
0: kind of wouldn't that
1: theoretically what is the right word like disvalue or devalue all of the the other projects you've already had in play because you're kind of saying, like, well, this is the one that everybody cares about, and this is what happens in that one.
0: Right. You'll cause an incursion. <laughs> <to> <laughs> in Doctor Strange terms. Another one. <laughs> but I, I, I think um, there's ways they can explain it, because, like, the the Inquisitors as a whole, I think, and all the stuff that they've been included in, like, you always, like, lose limbs, they'll replace it with, like, a robot hand, that kind of thing. Like, they're... okay. They're portrayed as being like subhuman as a result, because Vader constantly um abuses them, I guess, is is the is the term to, to use there.
1: He's they're like his ring rapes, like, right? Yeah. Is that what I'm getting? Okay. Yep. And the Grand yep. Inquisitor is like the Witch King.
0: Essentially, yeah. So this sort is like of, if the Witch okay. King was murdered in the first movie of Lord of the Rings there. Yeah, it would have been such a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling he's alive, though. And I feel like he's, he's, be. he's gonna probably, if he's alive, he'll, he'll be the catalyst as to why Reva all of a sudden now has to, you know, turn to the light side or, or, what, or whatnot.
1: So that's a great question that segues us to Reva again, is do you think she's, t- like, gonna turn good? Because it almost seems like they're spending so much time with her character that, like, I I don't know. Like the, the early part of it, like I agree with you. Like I don't mind her being aggressive. I think it provides like some interesting intrigue with her character, but like it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot. of Like it's like men, they're smacking us in the face with it, which almost naturally like makes me think immediately like, okay, well where's the other, you know, when's the other shoe drop? Like when does she flip to the light or is she, you know, is she working covertly? I don't know. Like, just some theories that ran through my head watching the first three episodes.
0: My big theory is that the reason why she's trying to get Obi-Wan in there is so that she, so that he can off or finish off Vader. Or that's maybe her hope. I don't know. I mean, the, 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 the theorist in me wants that to be true, and then maybe she's been, like, a double agent this whole time. Um, because, like, sh- her eyes haven't turned yellow like the rest of her her inquisitor buddies there
1: yeah and she seems like personality wise she's so so different from the other inquisitors and like really the every sith we've had you know or sith-esque character we've had has all been like a certain archetype of thought process and she does not i mean she has elements of it but she doesn't fit you know she's more similar to like Kylo than she is. Yeah. uh, Anybody else? So like, I I don't understand why so many people had such a problem with like her character. I mean, there's there's always there's always like aggressive characters. I mean, and that's not even talking about the obvious, you know, horrible things that have been levied her way.
0: Yeah, that. Jeez, that 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 situation. I guess just to kind of talk about it for a bit, but um, yeah. I think this is one of the reasons why I feel like the Star Wars fandom sometimes to me is like, you know, I kinda gotta do a double take at times and be like, what the <laughs> what the heck? You know, like yeah. yeah. Um I guess sometime after the premiere of the first two episodes, she like went on Instagram and like was talking to people about and she took screenshots of like some not crit critiques, they were just flat out like racist stuff that she was receiving. And so yeah. The following day Lucasfilm as a company comes out and says, Hey, um, if you're, you know, sending her racist stuff, you're not a true Star Wars fan. You know, like I think that was pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. But Should I guess be. Yeah. I guess part of the fandom was like taking it to heart and saying, like, oh well, we can't criticize anything because then we're labeled racist. And I'm like, That's no, that's not at all <laughs> what's being yeah, said here.
1: Really missing the point
0: yeah
1: so yeah
0: i look i i have i have my gripes, like i said with the inquisitor storyline and all that I, I i don't have a problem with her performance i don't i haven't had a like criticism on that end I can see why though like i see i i can see why people would have an issue with with her character and because I feel like we're just not getting enough um setup for her um yeah, and that does a disservice i think to you know to to the degree. I will say something because I I I do think we're going into a we're gonna get payoff with her character, um and to be honest, out of the new people that we're seeing the new characters, she's probably the most interesting one. Almost similar to the same way that I feel you you compared her to Kylo. I think Kylo Ren's the best thing of the sequel trilogy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would agree.
0: So I'm fascinated by her character. I'm interested to see where she goes. Um, but yeah, like I just don't know. I have theories, but I kind of don't want to say them either because some of them sound so ludicrous and outlandish.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think that's why you got to say them. I'll I'll tell you one other analogy I thought for her or, like, comparison to a completely different franchise is it almost reminds me of, if you watched Avatar The Last Airbender, the early seasons of Zuko, the way she comes out, like, guns blazing and then you have this like weird unexplained thread at the beginning with the scene in the temple and like why she somehow has like some sort of clear personal investment in Anakin and Obi-Wan and like this whole idea of the chosen one. For some reason it gave me major like Zuko vibes of like, I got to be the one to, to get, you know, in this case, Obi-Wan. Uh, and prove whatever to you know in this case vader or whoever so i don't know if that means that she's more likely to flip i don't you know i don't know if that's what why they're why she's such an interesting character i i you know at first i was a little bit like you know i, I understood why people were like kind of unsure of her character in the beginning but like i've since flipped that i think she's i agree with you i think from a new perspective outside of like obi-wan and darth vader she's the most interesting part of this series because she's the only big question mark and the only one that we've like spent some time with i don't think we've spent enough time with her
0: yeah i i I think so here's my theory because i feel like this is i feel like let's hear it mace with you (laughs) So end of episode six. After the credit scene, Mace Windu. what's No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I I do think now that she's captured young Leia, I think Leia will be the catalyst for her turning to the light side, and and I think she's gonna put two and two together. Because first, and again, I'd like some explanation as to how she has this info, but she she does seem to be more aware of the circumstances. She's aware that Vader. Um, wants you know Kenobi so she wants them to kind of fight it out why I don't really know um but she also was smart enough to figure out that like hey this senator dude was best friends with Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi so if I take his his daughter if Obi-Wan's alive clearly he's going to be desperate enough to call call in for that help because she's right ultimately if if you think about it if if um if Bale goes out and basically asks the Empire for help, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: well, then, you know, clearly Kenobi's gone. She should just let it play out the way it's going to play out. But if he doesn't and he goes to Obi-Wan, unbeknownst to her, the reason why Bale doesn't want to go to the Empire is because that will put eyes on Leia, who they've been trying to hide from, from Vader. Right. So... To me, I think that something's going to happen with her interaction with young Leia where she's going to basically have like some sort of epiphany where she'll realize either the error of her ways or something. Um, or what I'm thinking, she'll put two and two together and realize that Obi-Wan was actually on a mission to hide these kids from from Vader for a reason. And the prophecy thing might come into play here, which then might lead her to sacrifice herself to Preserve that secret. Um, that's uh, at least that's how I kind of view it. Like I feel like they might be going that way because she doesn't seem all that evil. Besides the cutting off that random lady's hand, but to be honest, we've all had that urge. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, we've all been.
1: There. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> somebody's really giving you a hard time. Just take a quick
0: hand, you know. It's always that lady <laughs> in Walmart that just won't be quiet, you know. <laughs> you know you're. <laughs>
1: at the donut counter you just want to get your donuts you don't want to have a conversation you just want to move on
0: (laughs) i sympathize i was like you know what i'll I'll give you that she was talking too much
1: (laughs) yeah i think like you know i mean obviously i i i feel like there's gonna be some deeper level to her character than that she's just she is just resolute to to get in the good graces of darth vader and be the grand inquisitor i think there's i think there's got to be more to it because there's just so much time spent and i think it it ultimately i think i think it's going to come back to the the jedi temple scene and some sort of feelings of being failed by the by the jedi Protecting, you know, her as a kid maybe, and that that's why, you know, she she harbors this feeling against Obi Wan, or that he's the the last vestige of like her problems with that, or, you know, I I don't know, I don't have a good working theory. I just, I just think she is the most interesting like of the, the characters going forward. That's not you know, that's not obviously what everybody wants to see, which is another.
0: uh, duel the fates yeah no for real let's talk about Vader real quick because I feel like uh, that's definitely a character I want to touch on but not since Rogue One have I feel like they've really like played up just how terrifying he is Yeah. you know like not only did he drag a poor man through the window and like choked him out in front of his family he then snapped his son's neck and dragged his wife out I was like, what's going (laughs) on? What the heck? (laughs) Yeah, he
1: they do a really good job of like we talked about like where they take Kenobi's character like you get like basically the last time we see Vader before this is the assembling of him. And obviously he's already done some horrible things. I mean, he killed all those younglings. So, you know, hard to (laughs) hard to come back from that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um but I think they did a really good job of like reestablishing the baseline of how menacing and powerful he can be when like you get the full-fledged version like his his entry walk like when he when he notices that Obi-Wan's there or feels him or senses him and he gets like that like that the music drops and there's like there's like just so much more energy in those moments. Same with like when he like lights the lightsaber and Obi Wan's on the run, you're just like, okay, this is like this is death come for us all. This is like a big time
0: He's very petty too. He just literally dragged poor Obi Wan through the (laughs) through the fire there.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I didn't like. I don't know why. I understood why it happened, but like it felt I that was the thing that felt rushed to me. I think it was a cool moment. But it came so fast and so out of nowhere in the immediate time that they interacted that I was like, eh, I don't know that I needed that in that moment. I don't I know. Think why. Vader needed that. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I it it did feel a little bit like too early for any of that to to happen. At the same time, I think that we did need to see Vader kind of like throwing him around a little bit, because I feel like there's there's gotta be some um there's got to be a buildup to like what the ultimate fight or conflict between them is going to be. Uh, I I don't think that we necessarily have the full picture here here yet. There's certain lines from A New Hope where uh, where they, you know, uh, Tarkin and and no, I think just Tarkin in A New Hope throws water and the fact that like Vader thinks Obi-Wan might be alive. And he's like, "Well, if he is still alive, so something has to happen at the end of this series where either the fight is left undecided or it mm-hmm. seemingly seems like Obi-Wan dies um for Vader to just, you know, take a step back and all that for the rest of from that point until New Hope, but I I don't think this is the fight. I I think this is just kind of like a a build up to it
1: a teaser yeah
0: yeah i do get the pacing issues though and then other people were complaining that um the robot that picks up vader i uh, sorry that picks up obi-wan and leaves like vader should have been able to catch him or like disperse the fire yeah. and all that but i kind of another... i feel like vader seems like almost kind of savoring the moment like kind of like a cat playing with the mouse kind of thing mm-hmm. like he's not really satisfied to kill obi-wan this way he's he's gonna take his time because he's that that's the type of dude he is now, apparently.
1: Yeah, I've I've I think I've seen that, like idea, lob, like levied other places as well. Is that like because it, it seems off, right? Like he he ignites the fire, he puts it out, he has like complete control of this entire situation, and then like one explosion, and he's just like, sure, go ahead. I have I have like all the power in the scenario, but I'll let you get away. So I think the only rational explanation is that yeah he's he's not ready to be he wants to enjoy this downfall more which i think is very in keeping with the world they're trying to set up i think the big challenge is going to be how are they going to catch up obi-wan in three episodes you know outside of a a great conversation with liam neeson (laughs) 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 to like get back to a level where he even can contend with invader because cool. right now it's it's not even i mean that was a that was a a complete one-sided affair
0: i'll say this i feel like um in the spirit of book of boba fett i'll be disappointed if obi-wan doesn't spend his full episode four in the back to tank he <laughs> <laughs> reminiscing having flashbacks to the clone wars and stuff i feel like that's the next episode we're about to get is like you know his reconnection with the forest and meanwhile we get peppered with flashbacks cuz they got to put Hayden Christensen to work somehow outside of the Vader suit
1: yeah i wouldn't be surprised if if we get a lot of that and we get a deeper dive into Reva's character via like what you described with Leia's interaction i would i think that makes sense for that to be like the next episode focus and then like five like putting people in places again for another showdown i think ultimately i kind of agree with you i think i think like eventually we're gonna see another confrontation where i think it'll mirror image what happened in the mustafar duel where like it's incredible and like close and basically like Obi-Wan assumes a victory. He does win, but he also assumes a victory and then doesn't have like at least in this case the foresight or and I think in his case more so like the the killer instinct to just put it away, put it away. Whereas yeah. I, I could see like the same type of thing happening where Vader then clearly wins, but he gets more the the overconfidence of you know, I've I've won however way and i i can't see how this would ever be a problem for me again
0: yeah i i'm, I'm skewing to obi-wan maybe winning because just because i feel like in, you think in so the, in the original trilogy he's very adamant to luke about having to kill vader instead of like saying, you know, because, like, after Luke tells him, like, well, I can't bring myself to kill my father, he's like, oh, well, then the Emperor already won. I'm like, it's, it's spoken like a guy that's been like, nah, I've tried that way, and he can't <laughs> stay. Like, we're yeah. not going to win that way. You need to kill well, him. Well,
1: let me tell you, buddy, it doesn't work when you leave him alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know. I did think I thought the all the Vader scenes were awesome in this third episode. I think there's certainly some questions about like like little details of what happened, you know, like why let them get away, you know, why I, I, there, there, there were some questions, but I think ultimately it'll I'm gonna hope it'll make sense as we see the rest of this like series play out. Is that I I would imagine that there there'll be another big hopefully more uh because i'm a fan of the prequel duels so i i hope for some some ridiculous pointless twirls in the next <laughs> favorite flight fight
0: i hope so too fingers crossed i don't know like they're talking about a season two for this show and i'm like all right if we do that if we go that route let's just go through this show first and figure out where we are before we start talking about season two because if they yeah. take it that way i mean there's very limited scope like I don't know. Like th- there's so many things they can do with it. Like we can go to flashbacks for season two and all that. Cool. But like, I don't know. I, I want this to play out well.
1: For a yeah. And there and it's too hard if you, if you like protract this out, it's too hard to build stakes. Cause like, we know we've seen these characters be like born formed and we know how they die. So like, we're really only getting like that small gap of, you know i I, like i can't i don't i don't i don't need any more than this show personally
0: yeah i still need an adventure with young luke and (laughs) (laughs) obi-wan
1: maybe we'll get it episode five
0: (laughs) maybe i don't know maybe they'll retcon everything and just reboot the whole thing (laughs) with this i don't know I, i am excited to see how it how it plays out though um any other thoughts before we, before we wrap up on, on the first three episodes? of will be one. Um, not really. I think the only
1: things I, if I was a, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would put a fair amount on Qui Gon showing up, and I, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I would also, I would, I would put a fair amount of stock in reva turning i just feel like it, it's if we're like we're dropping so many breadcrumbs it seemed like we're gonna go that direction but that would be my two big like predictions do you have any other like big predictions
0: no I, i'm i'm right on there with you i feel like reva's definitely gonna turn her hair is too fabulous to stay on the dark side for one <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean and she's I don't know. She's she's an interesting character. I don't I don't I don't understand some of the backlash there. It's just yeah, I think the it's fandom like, is
0: intense sometimes.
1: I think like it's one of those things where you you would never be happy almost anyway that things are like that somebody would be introduced. So it's it's hard as like a new character like trying to you know even like in the example of like Ray, right? Like you have she was the the criticism was like it was too good too fast and it was like well everybody in this
0: so was luke
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah luke was instantly amazing so is anakin like he's a, immediately like dueling masters like you know in the at least attack of the clones like i don't know it's it's kind of par for the course
0: <laughs> i think it's like i've never seen somebody hate star wars more than star wars fans i feel like that's kind of what it, <laughs> it kind of comes down to um but, you know, you're never going to please anybody. And I feel like any time the Star Wars franchise goes in a different direction than one that it has normally, I feel like it's a good thing because ultimately I want to see good original stories. I don't want to see the same repeat, you know, rehashed constantly. Um, and I don't know, like, this series is it feels like a nice little blend. Um, but, you know, I, I I hope it ends up in a good, a good spot. I hope we get a good payoff here. Um yeah, I mean, like this—this <laughs> this has yeah. honestly been the most exciting, excited that I've been for any Star Wars show we've gotten up to this point. And- yeah, I think it has
1: the highest ceiling for sure. And I think like one thing I'll circle back to, or my uh, the your the joke that I stole earlier, your guys' make Mace Windu joke that you always <laughs> make that he's still alive. I uh, maybe we'll get Mace Windu sneaking Grogu out of the temple.
0: No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm convinced, man, Samuel L. Jackson is still there. He can still play the role. Like if he doesn't pop up here, if he pops up in Mandalorian, look, I think at the end of the day, if they have a good story to tell, go ahead and do it. If they don't, let him stay dead. <laughs>
1: that would be like no way home level drops if you got Qui-Gon and Mace Windu in like episode five. Like you just get the whole council back together. Like <laughs> who's the other guy? The like, um is it Kiati? Oh, uh, the
0: the the moon shaped guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kiati Mundi. Yeah.
1: Get him in there. Get yattle in there.
0: <laughs> get everybody. Everybody we didn't see die because what we did see Kiati Mundi get gunned down though. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the give me um I forgot what it, I I should know this the guy with the really long head they like always spoofed him in the robot chicken sketches oh um... oh Yarol Poof let's get <laughs> let's get Yerald Poof in there <laughs> give him his own Disney Plus spin off show
1: what the people want
0: <laughs> yes I want to see a Yarol Poof trilogy you know like take me through his entire existence maybe
1: that's the Taika Waititi. Is they're just gonna focus completely on a trilogy for year-old poof?
0: I <laughs> hope so, man. I, I can't wait for that movie. Honestly, I'm am I'm, I'm excited for the future of Star Wars for the first time in a long time. So. Based on year-old poof alone, <laughs> uh, year-old poof, yeah. You know, like Disney, if you're listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, we should probably wrap up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Well, we'll we'll probably we'll we'll touch base again once the show ends. I think it, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's a pretty good space to talk about it too cuz it's three episodes it's a lot it's a lot to really you know digest and go through especially these they're just like almost an hour long
1: yeah that's definitely enough to chew on and I think like yeah I think we sh- we should do you know or we're coming down to it only 3 more weeks so
0: <laughs> yeah end of June <laughs> <laughs> All right well for everybody listening um th- thanks for tuning in um you know we'll we'll be back with our thoughts to to wrap up the season you know fingers crossed we get a a good end here but yeah, otherwise you know thanks for listening